0: On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are joined by the one and only Mark Schofield, of course, of Pat's Public. We're going to break down the Brady game from last week, but uh, there's some big news as well coming out today. Uh, Stefan Gilmore, of course, traded uh, for a bag of donuts uh, to Carolina, so that'll be interesting to get into. And we also have Luke Sawhook uh, coming on for our five-minute fantasy. It's a hell of a show, so buckle up and cue the music.
1: receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson
2: extends the hands, he has yes. Wilson, quick throw, and it's Intercepted! Intercepted! Intercepted!
0: We're, we're all ready to talk Davis Mills and Tom Brady and Mac Jones and Stephon Gilmore bombshell this morning. Uh, yeah, what
3: the yep. heck? What the heck? I, man, I don't know. I mean, it saved me from spending 25 minutes on my show today talking about Davis Mills. So in a sense, I kind of appreciated that. It was disappointing, though, because we couldn't get 12 hours to enjoy last night's Red Sox game. Which was kind of frustrated. Um, I don't get it, and, and we started talking about it before we hit record. It's it it just seems like such a mistake of management, such a mistake of one of the better players on your roster, one of the better assets on your roster from a sort of roster construction standpoint. And it's one of those moments, guys, where it's hard to divorce fan from analyst because analyst you try to sort of like call it as it is, like call it down the middle, see both sides. The fan part of me wants to just, like, riot. Like, the fan part of me wants to just, like, grab the tiki torches and go nuts because it it just seems like you've wasted a huge window over opportunity here. And so it's frustrating beyond belief to get a six-round pick in return is just for a, a guy that's 31, two seasons removed from being defensive player of the year. I know he's coming off of an injury. I know there's a big contract, but a sixth? Wow. It's ridiculous and and i wrote about it today
2: right i think it's it's frustrating because this this whole situation was sort of inevitable at this point you knew that this was going to happen right i mean um him and Gil, him and jackson sorry are both up this year both unrestricted you're obviously going to want to pay the you know the the younger cheaper um homegrown player in jackson i think he's just deserving he would obviously be less money than obviously what gilmore wants um, but like I said, you knew this was coming really after the year he won the defensive player of the year and started to, you know, start moaning about his contract. Right. And deservedly so. Right. That guy, he, you know, he signed. I think Belichick handled that contract really well at the time. He had paid a premium for corners before the league valued them what they do now. That's why the contract looks like such a bargain. Um, but I think then you, you, you know, whatever. You didn't know if Tom Brady was coming back. You're obviously still in win now mode. Fine last year at the deadline that was a lost year he had no quarterback so many moving pieces that was the best chance to move him and you know there were reports around the deadline that i looked up today that they scoffed at like a second round pick for him it's like that was pretty good at the time 30 years old a year and a half left of team control um you knew this was happening you knew this was coming and and i just think they poorly managed uh one of their best assets they've had in a long time i love the player what he did here he's all business doesn't talk much Um, so like I said, it's nothing to do with him and why, you know, you don't pay him here, but if you're not going to pay him here, ship him off, get it, get a at least a day two pick. And now they handcuff themselves. And and here we are, you get a next year's sixth. So yeah, it's just, it's poorly managed. And and now they're kind of, you know, the, the the Panthers made out like a bandit. You know, they talk about them, they get Darnold for cheap and then they get Gilmore for cheap. That's a team that C.J. Henderson um, for nothing. Yeah, yep. and like horns down too. So, I mean, like that's that's Gilly's hometown. You keep him around, man. That's a good team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing for me is whenever I've thought about it or talked about it, it's going back to – we talked about it on this show, the, day, the two days that he just didn't show up to camp and then mysteriously got a, a pay raise for the next year. Like, that was a holdout. So, you knew at that point in – what was it, August of, of 2020 that – you need to like you need to figure this out whether it's trade him or extend him it needs to be done by the end of that year and whether they were going to get it done or not the, the quad injury happens and then all of it goes to shit and i think the the big thing is is like there there's no more putting the, the these things off you need to handle your business when it comes up because you don't know what's going to happen because these things unravel and that's that's what happened right it unraveled to you got nothing for him
0: Yeah. And I think the other part of it too, for me, that's so frustrating is that, you know, we sit here and we talk about, okay, the Patriots have, the defense has looked good and JC Jackson has looked good, which is true. Like that is true. And I I do think that the defense is going to be fine without him. Are they a better team with him? Of course, they're a better team with him that, I mean, there's no way around that, right? Maybe you can say JC Jackson's better than Stefan Gilmore at this point. Maybe you can say that, right? But even if that's the case, you still can't sit there and say that, oh, well, they don't need him. That's foolish. Of course they need him. And so the th- the hard part for me is that you have to now sit here and justify it. So, okay, he's not on the team. Fine. Okay, well, you got something for him, right? No, you didn't. So now not only do you make the team worse in the short run because you don't have him, but you make the team worse in the long run because you got nothing for him, right? And Fitzy tweeted out today, like, you get a third-round comp pick for Brady. And you get a sixth round pick in 2023 you know for for gilmore you lose those two guys and get nothing back and i i wrote an article well if you're listening in podcast form it's friday but if you're listening if you're watching on youtube it's it's wednesday it'll come out tomorrow morning on thursday and you know basically saying this is the worst managed situation that belichick has ever been in in a patriots uniform because you compare it to everybody else I know Jimmy G. They talk, and I don't, I don't want to get into the whole Jimmy G. thing, but they weren't getting a, an early first round pick for him. I don't care what anybody says; they weren't. It wasn't happening. So they still get a second round pick. No other situation was this bad where you have a guy who was a defensive player of the year two years ago, and you get nothing for nothing for him. You might as well just let him walk. They might as well they just held on ticket. to him, That's right? Right. Got. But it's not just that. If you would let him walk, you would have gotten at worst a fifth round pick in 2023 probably a third round pick in 2023 if he just hadn't played all year this year. And so that's the thing for me is like you traded him literally because you said, well, we don't want him to go to Kansas City or some stupid crap like that. We don't want him around the locker room. I mean, that's how bad the situation got that he couldn't even be around the locker room. I mean, it's like that's they messed up big time. And, you know, Bill misread the market or didn't treat it right or whatever. But he screwed this up big time. And uh, and listen, like I said, team, I think we'll be okay. But he deserves some real, real, real criticism for this one.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Pat. The team will be okay. But I think it's fair to look at the process that unfolded here and realize that this process that unfolded, the way they handled this situation, they screwed that up. And so, yeah, sure, the team might be okay. But we'd have loved to have a third rounder in in last year's draft as opposed to a sixth rounder in next year's draft. Like, and when you start thinking about devaluation of a pick, like a six round pick, you know, down the road is like a seventh rounder at this moment. That's how teams sort of calculated. So the process is flawed and like spags walked us through, we knew this day was coming, like Keegan outlined, there was a holdout. So you knew this was going to come to loggerheads. Like at last year's draft time, like the fact that they just did not handle this business then is biting them right now. So yay. They got it. Uh, you know, there was all the discussions, this again, if you're watching on YouTube today, when this was announced and they said, oh, they're going to release him. And it's like, oh, they're going to drive up a market. Well, good job. The market you drove up got us a six-round pick down the road.
1: Hell of a market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the a, Another one of the things is, like, the locker room thing I don't think can be just brushed aside. I, I'm not saying it's, like, a, they hate their team situation because, like, obviously – or they hate their coach situation, right. but – like those guys have a relationship. Mac talked about it today. How he would pull him aside and be like, these are some things I'm seeing and, and helping you out. What what does it hurt to have that guy around? Just like even if he never plays for you again. I don't I think his knowledge of just having him in the building is more valuable than the sixth round pick that you got. So if you would have just waited and let him go and and what I what I struggle with is I don't think this is Belichick trying to cover his own ass because he looks worse doing this than he would have just kind of letting it run out. So I I can't understand what went into the thought process to make the decision today. It it must have been Gilmore being like, all right, enough's enough, get me out of here. I want to go play. That that well, has he, to have been it. There's there's no other the thing explanation. is
2: too. He's not. Why would he ever play a snap on at seven million dollars? You know, like well, he's doing his it own now. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. Right. I mean, a, a, in a place that you're not necessarily wanted in the future, it's like kind of pointless for him. So I can kind of see his yeah. thought process like get me out. But I yeah, think, I like it's just so it was just so mismanaged.
1: I just think with with him playing on the contract now is it, there's a there's a situation from Gilmore's perspective. I, I've done all my rehab here. I've been here for three and a half years you know that i'm i'm good i'm good to go so give me my money i've earned it from you i've given you all of this production i want the the pay increase i want the yeah. the, the bump here and then when he goes to carolina carolina's like we don't know if your your quad's good with we, so we're not going to just give you a pay increase but what you can do is you can come here we'll give you the opportunity to play where they're not giving that to you in new england you sat on pup when you probably didn't need to you you could have played earlier than He's going to end up playing so i think that went into it as well like th- there has to be some sort of feeling like the patriots put him in a bad position to capitalize on whatever value he has and i'm sure he's not thrilled about it i i would be pissed
2: well the, the his wife speaks on his behalf all the time on absolutely Twitter, and she's been you know yeah. like he's kind of a silent guy but i think a yeah. lot of kind of what he's thinking it comes through through her uh, and there's right. no problem with that obviously but from her, you know, point of view today, it, it, I don't think it ended very well. No,
0: no. Everyone, everyone said they're niceties on the way out the door, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think privately it, it was it was that nice. And again, and that's it, the only reason you trade him. I mean, like, yeah, like I said, you could have let him walk as a free agent. You would have gotten a better compensation if you would just let him walk. There's no way you get a comp pick that's worse than a sixth round pick for letting Stefan Gilmore walk, because you can't sign any free agents. So, like, whatever he signs for you're going to end up getting a comp pick back for him that's going to be better than the pick you got. And so the only reason you would trade him is because the contract situation got so untenable that it just became a situation where you had to trade him because he was going to be a distraction in the locker room. Which, is, which again, is just one of those things where you're like, we saw this coming down the road. In Spags, you said that it's obvious the Patriots wanted to pay J.C. Jackson because he's younger. I actually think it's the opposite. I think they wanted to pay Gilmore and they wanted to try to figure it out this year where Gilmore, kind yeah, of not at the line. price
2: he wants, though. Yeah.
0: Well, that's the thing. I think they wanted him to take to take a discount because he's 31 and he's older and he's got the injury. Take a discount, and they can get him for cheaper. And of course, that ended up not happening. But it, it blew up right in their face, right? And you it want they all had...
1: the things in the world, but if they sat down and they were realistic about it, they were never they were never right. going to get him to take a right. what they wanted to give him.
0: Yeah. So now here we are sitting here pissed off about frigging Stephon Gilmore. And like, you know, like you said, Mark, it was, it was a good weekend. We'll get into the Brady game. But, of course, you know, Sox win and you're like, all right, we're ready to go. And then, boom, Gilmore's gone. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. You know, it's just
2: I want to get in, into some positives because I think yes. there's a lot there. Um, the quarterback <clears throat> guru, I call him, uh, Mark, I think, you know, voice of reasoning for it. Mac Jones has been as good as advertised. I, you know, I, I guess your initial thoughts. Um, what's been good? What's been you know bad? I don't want to say ugly because I don't really think much of it has. Um, I, I guess what's what's your take on him so far? I think the one and three record, you know, definitely isn't his fault. Some of those interceptions aren't his fault. Uh, so yeah, like I said, what do you what do you like from him, and and what to keep building on?
3: I mean, I I've, I've generally been impressed with. The accuracy, particularly the throws that he's made, now he's missed on some of the deeper downfield stuff. And I know that's kind of a bugaboo that everybody's focused on right now. And I think you look at the passing chart from Sunday night, the one attempt downfield was the interception. But I think that was the right read. That's sort of that um, monument defender type of throw where you've got a defender trail coverage against that split safety look where, you know, you you make a good throw, the guy just made a great play. Nine times out of ten, that guy's not going to get his head around in time. You put that throw in that spot, it's going to get caught. The guy, the defender, Ross Cockle just made a good play to turn around, tip that ball, and it gets to be an interception. You know, I, I think you see a lot of the little things, the accuracy, the ability to manipulate defenders. I think you see some of the secondary movement skills that were a question mark on Mac Jones coming out of Alabama. You know, the play where one of their linebackers, I think it was Devin White, had a free run at him, and he's able to sidestep that hit born on the backside dig. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that Mac Jones is going to have to be able to do. And he's showing that he can do that. So there are a lot of things to build on. You know, the, the, the questions, there is an arm strength consideration. I think that's more a short-term problem with a short-term fix than a thing that's never going to come together for I do think he has an average arm right now, but it can get better as that goes on, as NFL strength and conditioning program goes on. Lower body strength, things like that. I'm not worried about that. I think that will improve. I think at times against particularly New Orleans, troubles in protection, particularly the right tackle spot since Trent Brown's been down, have started to exacerbate some problems with him with some of a pocket management standpoint. You know, he's starting to click and climb pockets sooner than he might need to because he's worried and he's climbing himself into more pressure from the interior. And so hopefully we get Trent Brown back soon, and that will sort of help sort that situation out. And so, you know, he's been good. He's been good for this team right now. And I think, you know, in terms of could this team be better with another option, you know, maybe in the short term. But once you've made the decision that this is our guy and you're going to move on from every other option and you're going all in on Matt Jones, now the question becomes We are they doing enough week in and week out to put him in the best position to be successful? And, you know, I think by and large, the game plan against Tampa Bay did a, some of that. I would have liked to see more. In terms of attacking those corners i loved when pierre desir had to come in and they went after him like three of the next five throws were in his direction it's like okay that's good like show some confidence in your guy i'd like to see them show some more confidence in him going forward and look they get houston this week this is a get right game this is an opportunity against a team that's gonna play a lot of static cover three a lot of cover one stuff there's opportunities to make some throws and so i'm excited to see him continue to develop i've liked for the most part what i've seen so far
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Question here: Is it is it the O line's been trash? The Patriots is getting blitzed a ton, or is it both?
3: I mean, it's a little bit of both from where I sit. Like you see some of the things that Tampa Bay did. There's concerns about the right tackle spot. So what do you do? You show some overload looks, some stunts, some twists, some stuff to attack those gaps to attack the right guard or the right tackle. Scrape, i mean and stuff to make those guys try to communicate on the fly because there's a lot of unfamiliarity and when you're running guys on and off you're going with two different tackles as they did on sunday night there's going to be some problems there teams are attacking with blitzes at times and there's some unfamiliarity up front which can create problems with protection and so like it's a mix of both that teams realize i mean Look, they're doing advanced scouting. They know that there are problems with the right tackle spot. So they're going to even either blitz or just overload or just do some stunts and twists, some simple stuff with four man pressure schemes, attacking that side of the line. So it's a bit of both.
1: I wanted to ask you about the protection stuff too, because I feel like, you know, there's no way of anybody really knowing this, but as a rookie, they're probably not having him call everything out. Like it's probably a collaborative effort. But if it is, if it's him, is he just not making the right calls or is it kind of a everything goes into it where maybe people aren't following the call, stuff like that.
3: I mean, it's an, like the Patriots, Keegan, one of those teams that task the, the quarterback with making these calls. I mean, the right. quarterback is intimately involved with setting protections so much so that like other teams, even some of the Peyton Manning teams, like the center, you know, Jeff Saturday was involved. Now look, the center can help stuff the center can identify stuff. The center can help set stuff. The center can, you know, chime in as well but a lot of it runs through the quarterback. I mean, you pull off New England's playbook and it's like, you know, the the mic point and all that stuff that the quarterback does that sets everything else in motion. Now for the large part, again, not knowing every play call, surmising based on how the things look on film. Like, okay, this is that front. This is their, you know, 62 series. This is their 66 series. You know, backs are making dual reads inside out. Backside tackle might be making dual reads and things like that. You can try to guess. We still don't know. I think for the most part, the pre-snap stuff is handled, but then reacting to stuffs post-snap sort of what I was just talking about, Keegan, that could sort of get screwed up, you know, where you think, okay, everybody's on the same page, we're setting the protection away from this guy, you know, we got a four man, slide one way backside tackle fan, and now dual read from the running back. Everybody's good to go guys, twist guys, flash differently at the snap. Somebody makes a wrong step. Somebody makes a wrong read. Mac looks the wrong way, doesn't see a hot. Things can go south in a, in a flash.
1: Right. So, because you saw that on the interception last yeah. week where Brandon Bolden just bailed immediately. Yeah. And then Devin White's like, oh, I'm going to go hit that guy. Yeah. And, and, and on that
3: one, Keegan, not only did they have the A gap run through with the linebacker, they had a, a tackle and exchange. So, you have a tackle going upfield, then they loop yep. the end around, all attacking the right side, all attacking that A gap bolden assumes with the way they're fan and protection that everybody's going out but everybody kind of loops inside and at that point you do something and he releases yep. i mean but you're exactly right that's a, that's that's a great example of how stuff can go wonky post snap even if you think you've got everything set up pre-snap and what tampa bay was doing on sunday night which was attack that right side and try to exploit what's happened at the right tackle spot
0: yeah i i, I want to talk about something that uh protection obviously is important i want to talk about something that all of uh, the my my Spotify Green Room people are just all over me, on uh, on four letters. They are A D O T. It's all they care about. It's all they care about. Oh, Max stinks. He's no good. He's this. He's that. And and this is what I think is funny. And you know, I talked about it a little bit, um, kind of after the game, I was chatting with them. Is like, you know, listen, we we went into this week last week thinking the going to get blown out, right? They're going to get blown out. They're going to look terrible. They're going to be awful. Then it, then it was close, and I well, I do want to discuss the, the the kick situations with you guys, but um, but then it was close, and Mac did pretty well. I thought I play Brady, and then the conversation was, well, Mac only throws short, so he stinks. And it's like, well, wait a second, I thought we were going to get killed now. So it just seems like I I don't know I, I don't know what your opinion is on that, but I just think it's I think it's a little garbage.
3: I mean, look. I've got NFL's next gen stats up right now and intended air yards or average intended air yards. Okay. I mean, Matt Jones is at 7.6. Is it the best in the league? No. Is it kind of you no know, below average? Yeah. Justin Herbert's 7.3 Dak Prescott is 7.1. Like, you know, there are all sorts of different ways you could slice, you know, average depth of target intended air yards, all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I think Matt Jones has to learn what windows as a quarterback right now he can effectively target in the downfield passing game and how to best do that? You think back to week one when he had Jacoby Myers on the crosser working against Jason McCourty, it was sort of a zero blitz kind of look. And he tried to put air under that throw, even though Jacoby Myers had three steps of separation. Jason McCourty closed that window. You know, he's not throwing against Missouri on a Saturday afternoon, targeting Jalen Waddle. And Devonta Smith. I mean, this is the NFL. Windows are going to close in the blink of an eye. This is part of the learning process for a young quarterback. You know, Paige and Brian Phillips, quarterback development is not linear. Like, I I try to say this all the time. Like, he's going to have good games and bad games. I thought Sunday night was a good game for him. I thought, obviously, the Saints game was a pretty bad game, you know, and, you know, the Jets game had, had its ups and downs. I think looking at what they're calling for him, are there opportunities for him to attack downfield that he should take advantage of? Yes, and he's not doing that consistently. I'd like to see him do more of it, but it's a learning process. He might feel after that week one game that, oh, you know, now we've got this trick play. I've got Jono Smith on the crosser that I I could take, or I could try a deeper shot, even though it's open. I'm going to take the easier throw, just make sure we get something out of it. Okay, good. Now we go back on Monday, we put up that film and say, look, Matt, this is a throw you can make. Like, I know probably what happened was nine times out of 10, they run that play and he hits the cross because he doesn't expect that deep shot to be open and it's open. You know, this is something that I I often try to remind people of, you know, sometimes you get a look in a game you're not expecting based on what happened in practice, based on how you practiced it. And so maybe some of these deep shots that we're all seeing on film that are there, he hasn't been expecting that. No, he hasn't been anticipating that, or it's one of these things like in progressions where you peak it and you come off of it. If you like it right away, you throw it. If you look at it and you don't like it, you don't come back to it because if you go through the other steps of your progression and then you try to come back to that vertical deep shot, it's going to be too late. And so there's a lot that goes into this. I think it was his fourth start in the league. If we're still having this discussion come Thanksgiving, we're all fat from stuffing then yeah, we, we can continue to worry about it, but let's see how the next couple of weeks go before we all lose our minds. And I lose more of my, more of my hair here. So, yeah.
0: All right. So the kicks, right. The, and Spags, I want to start with you here. We're fourth and two, fourth and two at the, but the 44, 44, I think it was, they punt it to Brady with a minute with what? Two minutes left to go in the half. Brady drives right down the field. Of course, kicks a field goal. I thought that was a mistake. I thought that was scared football. I I was shocked that they did that. Um, And then, I guess it was two minutes. I think it was at the two minute warning, right? And then of course, end of the game, they kicked the field goal instead of going for it. 52 seconds left. Again, there's 52 seconds left with two timeouts. Like, does anybody really believe that Brady's not getting the ball back and driving down the field and winning the game anyways? Like I just, I I didn't, I thought both of those kicks were the reason they lost. And, And, Again I mean who knows what happens if they go for it there maybe they maybe they don't get either of them but to me I, I just I just hate it I hate the conservative play calling and and Bill and Josh have been doing this now for like three straight years and it's driving me nuts
2: yeah I mean I, I, I kind of understand both sides the kick like before the half go for it every time right I mean you're you're stringing together starting to get some good plays together um an opportunity to go down and, and get points before the half. Um, but the end of the game, like I, I do see their thought, they were two for nine on third down in that game. Right. And I know the play before they just, if that ball doesn't hit, who was it? Via Vea's hand? Like they, they Levante, go down and they David. run it out. They, David, yeah. Levante, David, yeah, they, they go down and win it. Right. So, you know, if he hits it and the, the defense had been playing well, right. Like they had, they couldn't punch the ball in the end zone. And I know Brady probably would have needed what 40, 45 yards to kick a field goal. I think either way you're looking at, you know, hindsight's obviously 2020, 20, right? But I, I didn't really have an issue with it. I, I think the biggest thing was just the lack of not putting the game in his hands. You, you know, I know it's his fourth game, but that's a big moment for him. He, he converts there. That That's a big opportunity for him kind of going forward, building off that. Um, but yeah, yeah, 56, he was good from there. Like just before his range in pregame was like 53, 54. I know it was a monsoon out and i don't know I, I i guess i'm kind of indifferent on it right like hindsight's 2020.
1: yeah i think like i will say there were people who were it was like pre beginning before everything they were like this is a terrible decision i I do not like this decision i, I wouldn't say i was one of those people but the, the way i looked at it uh before the game i had posted their third down stats the tampa bay's offense defense new england's offense defense new england surprisingly by far a better third down team just a conversion team they've been better offensively and defensively tampa bay is the 28th ranked you know third down conversion defense if you don't have a play to to convert on a fourth and two against a team that can't stop anybody from converting i think that's an issue obviously you know in the moment i don't think they're thinking like oh do we have a you know all that doesn't really go into it but The for the most prepared team in the NFL, if you don't have a play ready to go, need to get it to to pick up a few extra yards for a field goal to win the game, then what are you doing? You're that's you're playing way too conservative if you don't have that. And I I think it's been it's been upsetting throughout Belichick's tenure. He's gotten progressively more. I talked about on the last show. I was on about an hour ago. I said he zigs when everybody else zags, and that includes when everybody else got more aggressive. He was just like, all right, we're gonna play 1993. We're gonna run it. We're going to punt all the time like that that and it's pretty frustrating to watch when you know they could have won a game if they made two different decisions and they didn't and they lost it it sucks to watch
3: yeah i mean my my buddy joe Fariola, who's at next gen stats he sent me like maybe an hour after the game ended the numbers on both of those decisions and again they're just next gen's analytical numbers but in both situations it's set to go for it i mean the, the, the punt before the half, what if you go for it, 54.5%. What percentage if you punt, 49.5%. So, you know, a difference of 5%. But the field goal decision at the end of the game, Win percentage if you go for it, 34.7%. What percentage for a field goal, 243 I mean, that's a pretty big jump. Again, just numbers. Sometimes you have to go with your gut. But I think Spag sort of alluded to it, the idea of showing some faith in your young quarterback. I mean, I, I think there is value for that. Showing some faith in your offense. Yeah, it was a night where the defense had played very well at for, you know, by and large part, kept them out of the end zone. But for one scoring drive where they, you know, had a run and touchdown. Show some faith in your young quarterback, though, you know, because even if you don't get it, then you've shown to this team that, look, this is our guy. We trust him in this moment to go out and win us a game. You know, the and the other thing to sort of keep in mind here, you know, in in terms of the be- Belichick Zagin versus Zagan, there's an argument to be made. He started the whole aggressive decisions in the first place. Yeah, that was with, my point. the Indy decision, right? And that's why it's so yeah.
1: annoying. Like, what happened to the guy that was intentionally giving the other team a safety so he could put his better right. unit onto the field and, and play the field position game? Like, right. that guy's gone. And it, we haven't seen that in a very long time. And I think that's what's so frustrating about it.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I agree. I would like to say as well, tweet it out beforehand, and I, w- I would just like to say in in warmups, Gunner on the hold, Jake Bailey cash money from 60 yards. I just I just put it out there. I'm not saying Nick Folk's not good enough. I'm just saying Jake Bailey, he might have hit it. He might have hit I it.
1: did. I did have a thought as well. <laughs> Even though he had the leg for it, he, he was yeah. just a little bit to the left. He doinked it. Quinn Nordine, I mean, that thing hits the top of the goalpost because <laughs> that yeah. guy's got a cannon and <laughs> no. maybe it doesn't tail so much. So it was like, oh, man, if they but, you know, that's going way, way too right. deep. Right. I that.
0: mean, what what was that? Folks first missing like thirty seven kicks. So, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I guess yeah. we'll Adrian give them a pass Patriots. on it, you know, like it's just it's it's tough to swallow. And like I said, it's one of those things where it's frustrating because, like you said, Keegan, one or two decisions. Right. And, and those decisions seem like they're obvious decisions to do everyone anyone that knows anything about football at least from an analytic standpoint says go for it and bill doesn't go for it and like and like I said he's been doing that for for two years now he did it in the um was it the Tennessee playoff game where he, they had like fourth and 2 around midfield right before the half and they didn't go for it and they punted it and he like and they ended up losing by I mean of course pick six at the end but they ended up losing by they were down by 3 at the end of the game right it was just like you were right there. If you would scored in that moment and not giving the ball up and giving up a score at the end of the game, at the end of the half, you were one, you know, and it's like, that's the type of stuff that, you know, that just drives you nuts. And so it's uh, it's, it's certainly hard to watch. So, all right. And real oh, quick,
1: ahead. one last thing before we move on to Davis Mills, Uh, you, your young quarterback, like the, the upsetting part, again, your young quarterback puts you in a position to win. And you were like, we're not going to let you follow through on this. Like yep. you put us in the position and we're not going to let you finish the job. That that's a horrible sign to show your your young quarterback. Like that's it's basically saying we we don't quite trust you in the do or die. You gotta get the, the two yards or whatever, which no. not and my he, Bill Belichick.
0: Right. And he was literally the only guy because they had negative one yards rushing. Yeah. Uh I guess they did have a needle at the end of the half, so technically maybe zero yards rushing, but still they had, you know no running game to speak of whatsoever. Uh, and so it was literally all on Mac Jones. Uh, Davis Mills is the guy that playing this week. He had no running game last week either. Uh, I think he started the game like five for 96 with like 13 yards passing and 12 interceptions or something in ridiculous. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Um, but again, to me, it just shows you kind of what Matt, what you have with Mac Jones is that even when nothing is working around him, and you can't protect him, and he gets hit 12 times, and he has no running game, and there's a monsoon going on, that he can still be effective and still move the ball down the field. Uh, and, you know, you got a guy on the other sideline who the team clearly is, is worse. Obviously, I think the Texans are one of the worst teams in football, but still, who, like, literally can't complete the pass. And, um, you know, it's it's not great. So what do you think this week, Mark? Is it, it, it going to be a blowout, or, like— I mean, I don't know. What it do has that?
3: the potential to be a blowout. It absolutely has the potential to be a blowout. I mean, you don't need to look too deep into that Buffalo-Houston game to see what that team thinks of Davis Mills because there's a third and 10 situation, 7 of 9 in the first quarter, where they just call three Carl routes, just three routes right at the first down marker. It's basically like your playground, go to the first down marker and turn around kind of thing. And he, I've, he just absolutely botches the read on it. And it's not only that, Edmonds, the linebacker, is reading his eyes and jumping the route. They drop Addison, the defensive end, off the line of scrimmage, and he reads his eyes. Like, this is a defensive end who's not used to being a zone-dropping dude into coverage off the line of scrimmage. And when he's, like, a step ahead of the play, too, and he honestly could have picked it before Edmonds did, that's a problem. Like, this this is your proverbial get-right opportunity for the New England Patriots on Sunday. There's an opportunity to pick this defense apart, like, Try to name some Texas players on defense. Like, you know, JJ <laughs> Watt. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, just Jadavian Clowney still there. I mean, it would it would have been a good question for the show you were just on, Keegan, a little trivia question about. I said it.
1: There. I said there's Whitney Merciless, who he'll have a sack because that's yeah, what he that's does. Still
3: on the team? He's still there. Yeah.
1: Yep. And then and then Justin wow. Reed, who's a good safety. And, and Zach
3: Cunningham, like that's. But it.
1: he's he's got COVID, so he's not going to play. All right. well, so then it's there like, you go. I mean, yeah. that
3: that's the defense we're going to see. The offense, like Anthony Miller, they just traded him. I mean, yep. Brandon Cooks is probably going to catch 10 passes for 15 yards or something like that because, you know, they're, they're struggling offensively. This is a get-right game. This is a game that they should win by two scores. Now, will they? I hope so. I mean, as, as I said on my show today, uh, Wednesday, man, you look at the ALDS schedule and you look at this game on Sunday and, and there is a potential for just a, a nightmare Monday morning, my friends, if, if things go wildly out of control Over the next couple of days, the Patriots should win this game by two scores. They really should. That's the level of talent disparity. You know, Bill Belichick, Steve Belichick, they should be able to really confuse Davis Mills. If you're seeing him make some reads like this, they should be able to have some success against him. They should give this offense some short fields. They should be able to run the ball on this team, unlike Tampa Bay's defensive front. This is a game that they really should go in and win.
0: Is Steve Belichick making a play for the uh, for the head coach job? I mean, I I got I got no other
3: the explanation. Able man alive, more than anything else. I don't.
2: I, My I man's was just fiending you know. a dip. That's all Seriously, he was wasn't he? Yeah, was.
3: That's exactly what it was. I I don't know if it's that bad. I don't know if it's that. I if it's that. Um, mind. But I mean, he's probably viewed as the next guy, right? I yeah.
1: I mean, I saw something. Uh, I I forget where it was. But it was basically like Steve Belichick's that guy who he's going to get a head coaching job and he's going to be terrible because he's going to go in and be like, I'm Steve Belichick. Like, this is how things are going to go. And then, and then like he'll probably turn things around and get a second job and be a, a good head coach. But I wanted to ask you a little bit kind of about like, him. You mean like his dad? Yeah, a little. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to ask you about him and like how. How would you defend Davis Mills? Because I don't think it's really all that hard. It's like, attack him. <laughs> and how do you think the Patriots are going to do it? Because I'm i kind of surprised at how conservative they've been against non-Brady quarterbacks. It's been like, we'll give you whatever you want, and then we're going to bow up in the in the red zone, which we've seen for the past 10 years. But it's, I yeah. didn't expect that.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think you kind of go and attack Davis Mills. I mean, I, I think that's what you do. And, you know, typically I – I often vacillate between, okay, you're facing a young quarterback, rookie quarterback. Do you blitz him and speed up his mind, or do you drop and force him to make reads? Do you show him, you know, too high, spin it to single high? Do you show him one high, spin it to too high, force him to make reads and decisions? I think you try to do both in, in an ideal situation. You know, my fear with blitzing a quarterback, even Davis Mills, is he just knows, all right, I, I just throw to my hot read. Like mm-hmm. forget everything else. I don't have to think. I throw to my hot read. So I think you know, there will be times when you want to bring some pressure, but I think a lot of times you want to show him that pressure, make him think, Oh, I'm gonna have to throw my hot. This is where my eye's gonna go. And then you drop seven, you drop eight, you get on. That's what Buffalo did on this play. I was talking about they showed pressure up front, showed him a zero look, and then they dropped into cover three underneath. It was just, you know, country cover three. It wasn't the most yep. exotic, like invert cover three or kind of thing. He just didn't. He just kind of panicked and threw his first read and stared it down. So I, I think you know, you mix things up, but I'm inclined to say, yeah, attack him a couple of times. But for the most part, show him some of these looks, make him think he's got his hot, then take it away and make him think on the fly.
1: I we saw it last week, right? Like they they own, they have three guys where that's all they need. You Judon, Barmore, and Winovich. Let them rush and then drop everybody else. And- I mean that's what they
3: were doing to Brady. I mean there are yeah. a lot of times where they just want drop eight against them.
1: And that's and, your that's your most talented group. So yeah. why are you going to take those guys off the field? To, yeah. to, sorry to cut you off.
3: No, no, I think that's exactly right, Keegan, and, and and especially look, you know, you only have a couple guys you really need to worry about. Like, and this is an offensive line that drop you know drop a you can get pressure with three like i i think you can and so that might be a, a smart way to go about this
0: yeah uh speaking offensive line covet protocols how are we looking here with uh, i mean of course no, no one knows the situation with on um, when and win. but like are are we i think bill uh, no said today
2: has no idea too <laughs> I, I i think, think the conference. rule is if
1: you're vaccinated, all you need to do is test negative and you're twice. I think, I think twice, it's two
2: right?
3: negative tests. Like and then 24 hours. In 24 part? hours and you can come back. If you're not vaccinated, I think it's like 10 days.
1: Yeah. yeah. Automatically quarantine. Yeah. So, so. so
0: I, would, I would assume both of those guys are vaccinated because nobody has said that they're out. So I right. would assume that they're both vaccinated because otherwise they'd be like, oh, well, they're definitely out at least right. this week, right? So, so I would assume that they're both vaccinated, and, yeah. right? And they would just wait on tests and, and see what happens because that would be ideal. Because listen, I tweeted out like, how much worse could the second line be? But uh, worse, yeah, it's the, definitely worse. It's the Yanni
1: Kajus Kve- or revenge game. We haven't seen him yet. He's been buried. <laughs> he's, he, that yeah. quad, whatever happened to that thing, like. I mean, this is the shot. reason
2: you brought Karras back, too, which is a good yeah, little plug-and-play guy. Yep. But the tackles, you got a mess on the right side. Is, and I don't think Isaiah Wynn's been that good either. Um, but he's certainly an upgrade over whoever they're going to plug in over there if he can't go. So.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. So what's worse than Yasir Durant or Justin Heron? Both. Both. <laughs> One yeah. on yeah. each side. Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah,
0: no kidding, right? Oh, my goodness. So we'll see. We'll see. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting, you know. And and I think, I think there's definitely reason for optimism. And they're one and three, but like, the hardest thing about one and three is that they really should be three and one, right? You, you lose those two games that you sh- yeah. probably should have won, and realistically, you know, New Orleans is a beatable team that they just played like crap against, you know. So, yeah. that's the hard thing. And of course, it's a rookie quarterback. They're still getting their feet wet. They're still figuring things out. Like I, I feel like we're gonna be heading in the right direction, but, you know. And I think most people feel the same way. Like this season to me is all about Mac Jones. And if Mac Jones, you know, shows, which I think he has, that he can be a good quarterback moving forward. That to me is all I'm looking for. Right. And and I, I went back last week. I went back and looked at Brady's first three games and just compared it to Brady's first three games, because I feel like that was a little bit more even than comparing it to Cam's first three games last year, uh, simply because it's both their first starts of their career. Obviously, different game now than it was back then. But still, you know, and Max you know, Max said, I, is he at 70% by now for the season? He was at 68 before before the game, and he had, he was, what, 31 for 40 the other day? So, I bet you he's close to 70% on the season. Like, that's that's ridiculous to be that after four games. Um, and to get hit the amount of times that he's gotten hit is just, you know, it, is he's crazy. Right so right at
3: 70 right now. So,
0: yeah. So, I mean, you know, almost 70% completion. I mean, there's not much more you can ask for than that. Of course, you want the deep shots, right? you want you want to throw deep. But like he's done that. Devon his, his wide receiver won the Heisman Trophy for Christ's sake. Like it's not because he was throwing all short routes. He was going deep. And yeah. Mark, you talked about it right after they drafted him. you talked about the play action fake. And this is why I think they need to be in they need to be in the shotgun more because the play action fake off the shotgun. And then you said, like, he wanted to throw deep when he he'd run the play action, and he wanted to throw deep off the play yeah. action. He wasn't that's throwing what short, they did. Like and that right, what they did. and that's what I want to see them do more of because they just I don't think they've played to his strengths enough.
3: Yeah, I think that's right.
0: So, so we'll see. But anyways, it should be a, it should be a heck of a game. So, so we will see what happens. But Mark, thank you so much for coming through. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, listen everyone if you listen to pat's pulpit for christ's sake you know who marcus but but mark just plug yourself anyways because you know by the way my favorite part of your show is when you talk about the cavalcade of of uh, yeah, reminders. reminders, and I just like because that word is like an SAT word and it's hysterical. And I, every time you use it, I, I laugh because yeah.
3: I mean, once I said it for the first time, I don't know when, and ever since then it's just kind of stuck. And part of it is because I have to remind myself the places I need to do work for, so people don't yell at me. <laughs> um, on Twitter at Mark Schofield, uh, USA Today Touchdown Wire, uh, Big Blue View, Blue Leading Renation, Pat's Pulpit Pat's the Pit, uh Blogging the Boys. I, I think that kind of covers everything. Uh, Matt Waldwin's Quick Game RSP podcast that we do every week. Um, But, guys, this was a ton of fun. Thanks for having me. Let me vent a little bit. Uh, I kind of needed it after after what we woke up to Wednesday.
1: Before you go, Cowboys next week, like three-word answer on how to defend Dak Prescott.
3: Pray and pray more. He's playing well right now. (laughs) I mean, he's playing well right now. And, look, Cooper's great. I mean, CD Lamb is a a problem. Their two tight ends are playing well, too. Yeah, Schultz is Um, really good. Schultz is good. Jarwin is a good player. You know, Kellen Moore is doing a lot of creative stuff. We saw how they closed out that game with the handoff into an option, Elliott and Pollard. Those two running backs have also been really good in pass protection stuff. And, you know, Carolina threw a lot of blitzes at them. Pollard, Elliott, they're picking stuff up well that's a dangerous team right now you know their defense has been better too than people expected yeah. you know Parsons has looked good I know they just you know they they released Jalen Smith but Parsons has looked good Trayvon Diggs is playing corner as well as anybody oh, in the wait. league right now like it's defensive yeah. player of the
1: year so far yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Well.
3: so so that's that's a that's gonna be a tough one yeah
0: no. Hopefully it won't be too tough this week but we'll Hopefully. see we'll see but uh, thanks for coming through mark we appreciate it we love having you on and uh, of time, course boys. you know at one point listen at some point mark you will be writing for all 32 sp nation outlets that's that, <laughs> that's i'm getting the goal, there
3: I man i'm slowly getting there fat we'll see just just stack one on the other
0: there you go there you go all right mark thanks right, man see you. thank, thank you. you all right so we're going to get into our five minute fantasy section we have a great guest coming through. Matter of fact, this guest is the reason that I am in the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, I was I did a little trivia on his uh, on his YouTube stream. So uh, Luke Saha coming through. Luke, thanks for coming through, man. We appreciate it. How we doing? How we doing? How's your
4: Scott Fishbowl team looking, by the way?
0: Three and one. Three and one, baby. I it. don't
4: know what I am. I haven't been paying too much attention, dude. If I'm being honest, that's kind of embarrassing for me.
0: Yeah, I, I I drafted Kyler number one, uh, number one, number three. And then uh, and I got Rodgers on the way back, and so they've been killing it. Uh, those two guys have been kind of carrying me. Yeah, so. I have
4: uh, I have Mahomes and Tom Brady who have been doing oh, very that's well. That's okay. But my team got my screwed with injuries. So I, my running backs after those guys were uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, J.K. Dobbins, and Josh Jacobs. Oh, so man. Th- that, that trio would have been nasty. But yep. J.K. Dobbins going down leaves me with Clyde and, and uh, Jacobs, which is kind of gross. And then my wide receivers aren't great. Because you know, I started out so quarterback
2: heavy. Those are my two running backs in my big league, Edwards and, <laughs> and uh Jacobs. How's that going? But I got Kyler and Devontae, Cooper and A B and Myers. So I can I can make yeah. up for it.
0: See there you go. See? So no, so that's it's fun. What the record is.
4: I, I need to find I need to scroll all the way down to my division here. Dude I'm three and one. I'll look at you, me. see, look at that.
0: See, you didn't even know. I'll take it. uh the mfl is the worst it's the worst oh my I god that's
4: that's one of the reasons i don't look at it very often because i just hate mfl so much it's a terrible I, website
0: i can't really even is. i'm on the app now i guess i could use the website more but i'm on the app i don't even know the free agents i don't even know who's yeah, a free agent i, don't, I a,
4: don't know where to i don't know where to look and what know a nightmare the set lineup thing is something straight out of like the early 2000s it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. an awful interface it's
0: so anyways all right so let's get into we're gonna get into five minute fancy here's how it works Luke. It, I'm literally I literally have my phone. I'm going to set a timer for five minutes. We're going to ask you, we're going to pepper you with some uh, with some fancy questions. You can also talk about any fantasy stuff that you that you want as well. Go ahead. When that timer goes off for five minutes, you're done mid word like game. Finish the word that you're in. I still, have a, uh,
4: I still have a three page essay to write before midnight. So. Look at
0: that. So we'll get you in. We'll get you in and out. That's the idea, right? Yeah. So uh, all right. So here we go. Luke, your five minutes starts now. Luke, first question. Which running back are you picking up off the waiver wire this year, this week?
4: Well, the waivers ran last night in most leagues, so you're probably too late. But yep. uh, Damian Williams and Samaj P. Ryan were the two targets this week. Because Williams is going to be in about four to five weeks with Dave Montgomery. sideline sidelined, and Samaje P. Ryan's a good one-week rental.
0: Love it. Okay, one-week rental. There was another court, another running back got hurt as well, didn't he? Uh... Um, who that was? I looking at. There was another guy that I was looking at too. That I was like, oh, I picked that guy up, but I forget who it was. I forget. Was uh,
4: um someone from the Patriots? Maybe I forget. I'm not too sure.
0: No, I don't know. No. Uh, either way, yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, so wide receiver wise, anyone out there? Wide receiver. Oh, first of all, actually, let's do this trade target. Who are you targeting to trade? That's that's really what I want to ask you. Trade
4: for you. or trade away?
0: Uh, let's do both. Let's do trade for first, and then who are you trying to get rid of? Who are you trying to sell?
4: um okay so trade four my biggest one for a while now has been stefan diggs uh he still was disappointed he's starting to figure out a little bit but he still leads the nfl in air yards which in case you're unfamiliar for some reason air yards is the combined distance on like actual received passes and your targets so if you get targeted on an 80 yard pass but it's incomplete and you still get 80 air yards uh it kind of just shows how much the team's actually trying to utilize you uh and how you know, how far downfield, which is usually the more valuable targets. Stephon Diggs leads the NFL and air yards. And I think he's top three in un- and uh unrealized, I think it's called air yards. So like air yards that didn't come to fruition on actual receptions. He, I mean he's elite talent. Him and Josh Allen have a good connection. He'll figure it out for fantasy. He just hasn't scored touchdowns. Um but yeah he's very good. Stephon Diggs for sure, another trade target. I mean it was Clyde Edwards Alaire. Um, after week two, everyone thought he was hot garbage. Uh, I don't think so anymore, necessarily, but people still hate on him out there. Uh, players I'm trading away, I, I've been big on the sell high on Mike Williams train. He pooped his pants on Monday Night Football, sure did. he had a terrible game. Uh, before that, though, everyone thought he was like the second coming, and people still think he's like the second coming. I don't think he is. I think he's a very good player, and I think his role has changed. I think he's probably a top 15, top 20 wide receiver for the rest of the season. I think he's gonna be good, but. Some people, I mean, he's the wide receiver. Well, going into last week, he was the wide receiver too in PBR. And everyone is like, no, he's going to keep this up. Like, everyone's still hot on him for some reason, where you can go out and trade him for DeAndre Hopkins or something like that, straight up. I've seen it happen. You can go out and get insane value for Mike Williams. uh, And if you're just holding him right now, I think you're making a mistake where you could, I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but you could easily capitalize on the value and get better players who are more stable long term.
0: I like that. I like the value. Uh, all right, start-sit questions. I don't know if we have any, but wh- who, who are the guys that who are the guys that you're starting that maybe other people, or you're sitting, that maybe other people aren't talking about right now?
4: Good question. I actually haven't looked at it yet. I will probably tomorrow. Let's look at the schedule here. So week five, we got do, – do, do. Hey, uh, my boy Sam Darnold has another good matchup. He was my start of the week last week. A lot of people didn't like it. He finishes the QB1 in the week, so I'd love to see that. Uh, he has the Eagles at home. Sam Darnold is another good sneaky start there. Who's playing the Chiefs? It's the Bills. Um, Zach Moss is a great start uh, against the against the Chiefs because I think he'll definitely fall in the end zone a couple times, uh, even though he feels disgusting. Let's see. What other matchups do we got here? I'm benching Cortland Sutton this week against the Steelers because he's going to have Drew Locke a quarterback most likely, and that's going to be gross for him. Um, hmm, who else? I'm benching all Miami Dolphins against the Buccaneers. For now, because Jacoby Brissett's gross. Uh, that's about it, really. There's nothing. There's nothing too crazy. Mac Jones might be a good start against the Texans.
0: Mm. Same good
4: with point. Damian Harris for sure. A
0: little demo, well, demo actually. would be nice since he has like zero yards in the last two weeks. That'd be really nice. Yeah. Well, he's had two freaking. Cool killing my fantasy team. It makes sense. So, it makes yeah, sense. that's true. It's a good point. So, I got a quick um,
1: question. I've been asking yeah. everybody that comes on. Kyle Pitts, how do you feel about drafting him? I drafted him in the fourth round this year. How do you feel? Oh,
4: you are a dumb, dumb man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, I, I, did, I like Kyle Pitts. I think he's a good player. And I like him in Dynasty a lot if you play Dynasty. But I just don't, I don't understand why people were drafting him in the fourth round where you could get my guy TJ Hawkinson around later uh, who is outperforming
1: him in every which way. Yeah. I, pa- I paired him with Noah Fant late, so he's been okay. sitting on my bench, and I've got bad. Fant starting. Good for Dynasty though. I that that's my like I'm banking on him becoming a, a weapon.
0: It was a yeah. Dynasty league in in Keegan's defense. It was a yeah. Dynasty league, so it wasn't totally crazy.
1: Three and one. I'm not. It's not like I stink. So
0: yeah. No, oh wait, wait wait wait.
1: You took this in the fourth round of a Dynasty startup.
0: Yeah.
4: Oh, that's totally different. That's a good pick.
1: Good pick. Okay. So hey, he see, there you
0: go. You got to lead with that, Keegan. Yeah,
4: yeah.
1: Redraft he was going I, in. The I, I look know, at my fantasy lineup once
0: a week, and then I, I'm like, all right, that's done. All right. Oh, that's all right, it. We're okay. done. It was a solid five minutes. Five minutes goes by pretty quick when you're uh, when you're not paying attention to it. So But uh, Luke, man, thank you so much for coming through. As I said, Luke was the reason. So what happened is, is that Luke had, for those people that don't know, Luke had one entry from Scott Fish for the Scott Fish Bowl. And he said, okay, I want to do like a trivia game. So we did this trivia game and it was like, it was basically like a Jeopardy style trivia game. And it was wild. It was four of us, right? It was the f- four right. of us were competing. Three of us, that's right. Three of us were competing. And it went to a, me and this other guy went to a sudden death tiebreaker. That was a good game. I think that it was, was the best game of Jeopardy I've done. Dude, I was like sweating. I was sweating. <laughs> and I won, which was awesome. And then... He surprised us and said that um, Scott had actually given him three entries for all three of us, which was pretty cool. So, so we great. all got an entry into the Scott Fishbowl, um, and it was uh, it was pretty awesome. So, but anyways, that's that was my that was kind of my introduction to Luke. And Luke say, uh, "You're young in there, Luke, but you're killing it in the uh, in the game." So,
4: man, I appreciate it. Yeah, but, uh, uh, turn twenty one soon though. So, see, good. look at that. He's oh, not that, that young. I mean. Yeah, no, I'm not yeah, these two are like guys. a year older than him. I was I gonna say, these two favorite, guys uh, are young too. My favorite young guy on Twitter, though, shout out to him, is uh Hutchison Brown on Twitter. He's at uh T T M F NFL or something like that. Um, Hutchison Brown, he's a great follower. He's only 15. He's yep. Just
0: done. yep. So that's it, man. So, all right, Luke, before we let you go, you got to plug yourself, let everyone know where they can read you, see you, hear you, everything else like that.
4: Yeah. Sure uh all my content is pretty much on my twitter if you just head over there it's just at luke saw hook like it's my name on the screen if you're watching if you're listening it's luke and the two metal tools uh the saw and a hook go over to the twitter uh follow me over there and you'll find everything else from there so appreciate it guys thanks for having me on and uh, Absolutely. get out of the way
0: thanks coming through Luke. We appreciate it man appreciate have it. a great Hope night all right see you all right nice dude luke has the, like the coolest animation when he when he does like a video it like comes through with like a whole like saw and a hook thing and like whole. It's I just called
1: cool. him. He's, I like it. I like his yeah. Twitter game.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's cool. So, so anyway, so that's what we got. Uh, two thirds. So, two thirds of the Patreon Nation podcast will be in Houston this weekend for the Houston game. Uh, so that'll be fun. So we're gonna we're gonna get to the game. Obviously, well, then we're gonna find a bar later and watch and watch the hopefully the Sox game. Right. I don't know what time the Zocks game is gonna be. Yeah,
1: Spags will be on FaceTime the entire day, so keep the charger closed. We're we're
0: gonna be we're literally gonna be FaceTiming from the game, like he's sitting next to us in the uh at the game. Yeah. So no, it should be fun. Be.
1: We'll we'll try to figure out some sort of content to do because Yeah.
0: You know, we're very not like creative about this shit, but we're gonna to try to figure it out.
1: I am I I <laughs> was denied entry in destination imagination, which was like a creative group in elementary school. They that's told it. me I wasn't creative enough.
0: That so. was the end of that. Yep. 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 No, that's the way it goes. I'm not creative at all, but that's, you know, what are you going to do? So anyways, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, hopefully get right week. The get right week this week is what we're hoping. So uh, so anyways, guys, have a great week and we will we'll talk to you uh, next week.